Book three, The Odyssey, a fanfic. So the gods decided to destroy my home and we were at the mercy of their fate. It was my father who encouraged everyone to hoist sail and leave Troy. I couldn't quite gather my bearings um, after Crusa. I mean, me, an exile, leading my comrades and my son and the gods of my people. An exile, you know, like, what kind of hero does that make me? I first sailed to the land of Mars, vast fields farmed by Thracians, where the people had ancient ties with Troy and where I thought I could begin our new city. I was worshipping my mother, a goddess, uh, you know, by the way, I don't know if I've mentioned it, and I was sacrificing a bull to Zeus, using some green shoots from the ground to cover the altar. But when I picked them, I found the roots covered in thick, congealed blood. I tried another tree and then another, all the same. And then a voice cried out from the ground. Aeneas, you're ripping me apart. It's Polydorus from Troy, remember? Priam sent me here to Thrace to be brought up by their king. But when Troy began to lose wealth, he turned to the side of the Greeks and he had me murdered taking the gold I brought with me for himself. Greed for gold is a curse. The minds of men would do anything for it. Leave this cursed place. The iron spears that struck me down have rooted and grown into my flesh. One side got over the nauseating shock of mistaking a man for a tree. We gave Polydorus a second burial, nice and proper, after consulting with my dad first, and left as soon as the wind has dropped. There's a stunning island, you know, uh, sacred to Neptune, which lies in the middle of the ocean. It used to float from one shore to another until Apollo moored it to mock the winds. You might have heard of it, uh, Delos. It's a beautiful city of Apollos, really, and Aeneas, its priest and king, is a good mate of my dad, so he came to meet us. After we went to his house, which was pretty lush, though, I mean, anything is when your own city's been burnt to the ground... I went to the ancient temple of Apollo, hoping to get some answers. Hey, Apollo, hope you're doing all right. Just, uh, just wondering, is there a home designated for us yet? Any pointers? Only I'm a bit knackered and I don't really know what I'm doing. So any help would be really great. Cheers. I'd barely finished speaking when it felt like there was a massive bloody earthquake coming. So we all threw ourselves on the ground, you know, as is sensible, and this great bellowing voice came from the tripod in the temple. Trojans, the land which bore you from your parents' stock will be the land to raise you once more. Seek out your ancient mother and you shall rule from there over the entire world. I mean, that sounded fab, but it didn't really mean anything. I asked my dad again, and he knew exactly what was going on, as always. There's an island in the middle of the ocean called Crete, a rich kingdom and favoured by Jupiter. My memory's not what it used to be, but I think our ancestor, Chusa, came from there. It's only about three days away if Jupiter's on our side. I reckon we chance it there. 
So we sacrificed a couple of bulls for Neptune and Apollo and set off. After a while, we reached Crete and I started on the walls of our new city, which I named Pergmea. Lovely name, isn't it, really? I think. Still, I'm quite proud. But then we got this sudden plague, didn't we? Everyone started dying and it was dreadful and a right pain in the backside. He had to stop all our work. So my dad sent me back to speak to Apollo again. He likes to send plagues, you know, Apollo, in case you didn't know. Actually, I uh, I went to sleep and I dreamt of our Penates, our household gods. They looked a bit like ghosts when they came to me. Apollo sent us to tell you not to bother to go back to him. You've made enough mistakes already. He didn't mean Crete. You've got a long way to go yet, mate. Did you think it'd be sorted in three days? What kind of epic poem is that? You need to go to Hesperia and speak to King Italus of the Italians. The Onitorians live there and this is where we're all actually from. Go and tell your daddy was wrong. He needs to look for Corthius and Alsonia. Jupiter wants you off his island. I woke up in a cold sweat as you would do when you'd heard that voice. And I prayed to the gods and ran off to tell my dad, who of course remembered there had been two founders. And he got the wrong one. The other was Dardanus from Hesperia. Oh, he said. Cassandra told me about that place once. All she ever did was talk about bloody Hesperia. I wonder how she's doing. So we set off again. There was a storm though for about three nights and even Palinurus, one of my best oarsmen, said he lost his way. We ended up on the shores of the Strophades, the Greek name for the islands in the Ionian Sea inhabited by Seleno and all the other grotesque harpies. They're worse than any plague and I'd know. They look like girls but they have these hooked claws for hands, oozing great dirty bellies, and they're always bloody starving. Think vultures, but like with women's heads. Disgusting. No offence. Dido. Lovely. Anyway, we got to the island and found some cows and set about a bit of a feast, but these bloody harpies joined us, didn't they, greedy buggers? They smell absolutely bloody foul as well. We ran off and tried to eat under some shelter, but they kept attacking us and it was like the Trojan War all over again. But we're birds. Eventually, Seleno, of all the cheek, sat down and decided to have a chat. Oh, are you going to make war with us now, Trojans? Coming to steal our food and drive us from the home of our ancestors, are you? Bit hypocritical coming from you, innit? Jupiter told Apollo, who told me, who is now telling you that you need to go to Italy. We keep telling you, but you won't be allowed to go in and you'll soon be starving and you won't be allowed to build any walls until you end up eating your own tables. And then, after all that nonsense, she pissed off. My dad prayed to the gods to be kind and we set off again we sailed through all these different greek lands and we were dead proud of ourselves for getting past our enemies in such a way so when we reached actium we had a bit of a laugh had a few rites a few fires a few wrestling matches after we'd been there a while maybe a year i dedicated the armor of the greek abbas to the temple of apollo nailing it to the doors with a modest little inscription that read amazing aeneas dedicates arms 
taken from the loathsome conquering Greeks. Got a nice ring to it, I think. Setting off again, we next came to the city of Bethrotum. There, it turned out, Helenus, one of Priam's sons, had actually become king of Epirus over Pyrrhus, that foul son of Achilles from last chapter. And he'd even gone and married Andromache, Hector's old wife. And then, would you believe, Andromache was before us, pouring a libation in the name of her dead husband. She couldn't believe her eyes when she saw me. I do tend to have that effect on people. Oh, son of the goddess. I do love it when people say that. Are you really here? Are you dead? Have you brought Hector? She could barely get her words out, but in all honesty, neither could I. I'm alive, Andromache, despite everything. I'm still here. How are you? What's happened to you? Are you still the wife of Pyrrhus? She looked away. The happiest of all the Trojan women was Polyxena, Priam's youngest daughter, killed back in Troy. She never had to experience being offered up and brought like meat, like a slave, to be raped. We suffered under the house of Achilles, and a child was born to Pyrrhus in slavery. But he got bored, and he took up with that Spartan girl, Hermione, and I was given over to Helenus. But Orestes had planned to marry Hermione, and, well, you know how men get over women. He killed Pyrrhus at the altar to his own father. Quite fitting. Helenus ended up taking over, named it all after Caon of Troy, and he built our own little virgin of Pergamum, right here. But Aeneas, how are you? Where's Ascanius, and how is he doing? Does he ask about Creusa at all? I didn't get to reply because Helenus himself appeared, and after a suitable amount of crying and wiping our noses on each other's tunics, he welcomed us into his city, so reminiscent of our Troy. After several days of resting, I sought him out alone. Hey, you're a prophet. Have you any idea what I'm meant to be doing? I'm trying to do as the gods tell me, but I keep being plagued by, well, literal plague, and these also, like, massive, awful bird women. Could you give me any hints about the next round of monsters so, like, I can have a heads up? Actually look like I know what I'm doing for once. After sacrificing another few bulls, Helenus replied, You'll make your way to Asonia, and that's all I'm really allowed to tell you, mate. I'm sorry, but Juno's a bit pissed off. It's not going to be a quick trip, I can say that. You'll have to go past the underworld, past Cersei, before you can get anywhere. When you reach a place where you find an enormous great white soap with dirty piglets, that'll be where you can build your new city. Apollo will come to you, eventually. But you ought to leave here quickly. There's Greeks bloody everywhere, I'd love to have a piece of you. When you get to your new home, best to shove some purple cloth over your head and sacrifice to the gods for your safety. I'd make that a new tradition, actually. Sounds pretty legit. Also, when you get to Sicily, make sure you take the long way around. The other side of Scylla, a very attractive lady, until you get to her stomach and realise she's made out of wolves and dolphins. Her probs eat you, or Charybdis, who's essentially an enormous whirlpool. Better be a couple of days late to Italy than dead, in my opinion. Oh, and one last thing. Give Juno a bit more special attention as sacrifices, will you? Think she's been a bit neglected. I got a bit of a feeling she might be the reason you're having such a hard time. Also, don't forget to visit the priestess at Kumai, who writes prophecies on leaves and lets them blow away. She's fab. 
We exchanged a few gifts and Apollo went to visit my dad. Not me, mind, the one who's actually having to do everything around here, but him. And basically told him a shortened version of what Helena's just told me. Don't know why he couldn't just do it himself. Rude. Andromache gave us a few things too, though she spoke directly to Ascanius. Take this cloak, dear, and I hope it reminds you of me. They are the last gifts you will ever receive from your own people. You remind me so much of my own Astyanax. I left them, reminding them that they'd accomplished their own destiny, lucky sods, that they were now blessed, that our descendants would be united, etc, etc, you know, you, you get the drill. We sailed for a while until we thought we saw Italy. My dad started to pour a libation of wine to the gods, asking them to blow some kindly winds in our favour. And for once they actually did. They love him. We got so near to land we could see a temple to Minerva. And then we saw four white horses, which my dad interpreted as a sign of war and peace. Prophecies aren't really his strong point. And we prayed to Minerva, of course. We'd learned as much since that bloody wooden horse. Oh, and added a bit for Juno at the end. When we finished, we sailed off again through far too many Greek islands to count. We started to notice the sea rising and swirling, and my dad alerted us all to Charybdis, reminded us to steer clear of the deadly cliffs. We did as we were told, but we still got a bit sucked in and spun around, maybe three times. Oh, and then we started to drift towards the shores of the Cyclopes. Ugh, what a nightmare. We hid in the shore, mostly, but Mount Etna is nearby shooting up molten debris and pitch-black smoke, belching out flames that lick the stars. Some say the body of Enceladus, half consumed by a thunderbolt, is smothered under this mountain. Every time he turns over, Mount Etna breathes out more fire, and the whole of Sicily trembles with it. Anyway, we made it through the night, and we were just tucking into breakfast when this half-dead, scrawny-looking bloke approached us out of the woods. We seem to attract this sort of Greek. He almost turned and ran in terror at our Trojan clothes, which cheered us up a bit. I beg you, I beg you, Trojans, great men, wonderful men. He started crying and pleading on his knees in the sand. By all the stars and gods above, I know we were once enemies, I know. I've done you wrong, but please, please take me with you. Take me anywhere. If you hate me so much, you can kill me yourselves, but please, any death is better for you. Anchises, my father, was the one to hold out his hand. My name is Achaemenides. I'm a friend of Ulysses from Ithaca. I went to fight in the war because my family's poor, you know, and we found ourselves here and my comrades, they forgot me, left me in the cavern of the Cyclops. You've never seen anything like it. It's so tall, his head knocks against the stars. It gorges on the flesh of men. It drinks their blood. It lives in filth. I've seen him devouring my friends with my own eyes. Their legs still twitching between his teeth. He met his match, of course. Whatever happens, Ulysses is always Ulysses. Once he binged on our comrades, drank himself into a stupor. We prayed to God's like. Castlots gouged out his one enormous eye. We had our revenge. But quick, we must go. Polyphemus is but one Cyclops. There must be a hundred of us living here. I've been living off berries, losing track of time. I promised myself, I put myself in the hands of whoever came next to shore. It's enough for me just to escape this place. 
He'd barely finished speaking before Polyphemus emerged, just as horrific and engorged as described. He was tending to his sheep and using the trunk of a pine tree to guide his way. The sheep were his only pleasure left. He made his way into the sea to wash out his eye, where the blood was still trickling. We took no time in running to our ships and taking Achaemenides with us. He'd certainly suffered enough. Polyphemus heard us, of course. Midway out in the ocean, the water barely reached his knees, but we were too quick for him. He let out a huge yell, and of course, all the other Cyclopes came out to see what the fuss was. I've never seen anything worse in all my life. We were so scared we almost let the wind carry us the wrong way, towards Scylla and certain death. But I remember just in the nick of time, and sure enough, the wind came to our rescue and set us back on the right path. As we sailed, Achaemenides pointed out all the places along the way that he'd sailed with Ulysses. When we reached Sicilian waters, we worshipped the gods, as instructed. Oh, on and on we went, until we reached Japanum, but I did not choose to linger there. Exhausted by our endless suffering, this was where I was to bury my father, my greatest support in every part of my life. I rescued him for what? All those prophecies, all those warnings, none of them had the kindness to let me know about this. This was the last of my labours. From there we sailed and reached your shore, Dido. I am done. So Aeneas recounted the fate he had suffered, and at last he was silent. For the first time he was at peace.